Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast. So today we are in a new series. This is supposed to be a four-week series. It got cut into a two-week series because our Christmas series is coming up. And our Christmas series, I'm really pumped about this, is going to be called It's a Wonderful Life. We're going to be going off the old movie, and I think there's probably no better time to use that series than the end of 2020 to say, hey, it's been a wonderful life even in 2020, right? Um, and some of you would be like... I dare you to preach that. I dare accept it. Challenge accepted. So, um, but I'm in a series today that is getting cut really short called Money Matters. Money Matters. And, And I love the title of this because it goes two ways, right? Money matters. Like we understand that. Like you're like, yes, money does matter. It's a, it's a big deal. They're, they're, money matters to us. But also let's talk about the matters of money. Let's talk about the business of money. And, and here's the deal. Here's the reality. I decided to bring a stool because that makes it a lot more relaxing to you and you guys aren't so uh, defensive. Um, when <laughs> you're like, it's not working yet. <laughs> when one of my favorite things to talk about, weirdly enough, is finances, is money. And the reason is, is because all of us are affected by finances. All of us are affected by money. And it's a really big deal in our life. But here's the pushback. Here's the problem. I never talk about money or I don't talk about money that much because we give in a funk when the pastor talks about money, Right? And so let me stop everybody. If this is your first time coming, this is a, this is a great time for you to be here. Um, really, seriously, because here's what I can promise you isn't going to happen. Because, because I know this and you know this. Pastors have said a lot of weird junk when it comes to money, right? Like you're like, I don't not, I'm not sure if that's even in the Bible. You've heard TV evangelists like do things and you're like, what? Are you kidding me? So let's, let me just tell you what won't ever happen at Foundation Church, okay? This is, somebody's like, don't ever say at never. This will never happen. Number one, I am not going to pass the offering buckets by to collect up an offering for myself for a private jet, okay? That's not <laughs> going to happen. I can't fly with those little peasants, right? Like, I just can't do it. First class isn't nice enough. Um, anyways, that's not going to happen. Second thing is we're not going to ask for you to sell your firstborn and give the offering to the church um, because most of us, let's be honest, we would have to pay somebody to take our firstborn, right? And so um, that's not going to happen. And the third thing that's not going to happen 
as we're in this building campaign, everything else, we're not gonna say, hey, if you will make three payments of $29.99, we will send you a prayer cloth that is golden embroidered with my name on it so you can just wipe your face whenever you need a miracle, Justin's showing up, right? Like, Justin's praying for me right now. That's, that's not going to happen, okay? So, so you guys can breathe easy here. And here's the reality. I think, I really do, I think if we can just be honest, this can be something that's really helpful, but also a lot of fun. Here's what the Bible says in John chapter eight, verse 47. It says, anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God. So here's what I wanna let you know today. I'm not gonna be pushing my narrative, but I'm gonna be sharing with you principles from the word of God. And our job isn't to get funny when the pastor's talking about money, right? It's not, not to get all weird and funky, but hopefully you and I can handle this part of our life in a Christ-like way, in, in a biblical way that you and I, I'm not gonna be able to sit down today, um, that you and I could live our life out in a way that God is calling and Jesus is directing us to because I know this much about all of us. All of us really want, deep down inside, we wanna live every aspect out like Christ is asking us to live it out. And this is a really big area that a lot of us just aren't living it the way he's asking and has called us to live it out. So our key verse for this series is gonna be found in Matthew chapter six, verse 19 through 21, and then we're gonna jump to verse 24, and it says this. Don't store up treasures on earth. Moths and rust can destroy them and thieves can break in and steal them. Instead, store up, for your tr- store up your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy them and thieves cannot break in and steal them. Your heart will always be where your treasure is. I, I, Jesus knows this. And he says, your heart will always not some of the time, not if you are in, in this certain percentage of the population, not if you live in this uh, uh, social dynamic, not if you are of this race or this creed, but he says this, your heart, my heart will always follow, will always be where our treasure is. Verse 24, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other, You cannot serve God and money. Here's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying money is a big deal, right? Jesus is saying money matters. Do you know there are over 3,250 verses in the Bible about money and possessions? Jesus talked about money. 15% of his teaching concerned money. It, It was a big Deal. It, was, it was a huge deal. Why would the Bible spend that much, devote that much time? Why would Jesus talk about money that much if it wasn't a big deal? Because Jesus knew this. He knew that money for you and I, for the generation he was in and our generation is, and this is huge, Jesus knew that money is a tool and a test. Right? Money is a tool and a test. And so let's talk about the tool aspect part of it first. 
Money is a tool. This is not a message. This is not a series that says, if you have money, how dare, how dare you have money? How dare you? Shame on you. You know, how dare you live in a nice house? You should be ashamed of yourself. How dare you drive? This is not to bemoan. This is not to, to make people feel bad about being wealthy. I got news for everybody in here. You're the richest of the rich in the world's population. You're the top, I'm talking to the top 5% of the world's wealthiest people are in this building. If you make more than $20,000 a year, you are in the top 20% of the world's richest people. Welcome to the club, baby, right? <laughs> and, and here it is, there's nothing, hear me, there's nothing wrong with being wealthy, right? If you look in the Bible, all kind. Abraham, a friend of God, was wealthy, Right, David, a man after God's own heart, he was wealthy. Job, a friend of God, was wealthy. There were disciples that were wealthy. There were people in the Bible that were wealthy. And, and money, if we were really honest, money can make some really cool things happen. Money's not a bad thing. The problem happens when, not when we have money, but when money has us, Right? And there's this whole dynamic and there's this whole push because Jesus understood this. He said, man, it's a tool and a test, but your treasure, your heart will always follow where your treasure is. Your heart's always going to follow what you love. And that's the warning. It's this amazing tool. But if we're not careful and if we're not, if we're not, 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 not cautious, what can happen is that the very thing that was meant to be a tool, if we fall in love with it, has the power to uproot the rest of your life. Right? If you fall in love with the tool, it has the potential to uproot the rest of your life because the things you love consume you. Right? Think about it, parents. Your kids consume you. Grandparents, that, your kids no longer consume you. Those grandkids consume you now. You're like, what are my kids? I don't even see them, right? Like, like those grandkids consume you. All you people that have animals, have dogs, not that live outside, but live inside. Man, we do stupid things for our pets. Why? Because our hearts follow what we treasure. We have we have socks with our dog's faces on it. We do all kinds of weird things, right? Like there's, all, there's some weird things out there. Can we just be honest for people with pets? There's just some weird things that are available and out there for you. And if we need to talk after this, I will find you some good professional help. But <laughs> Jesus understood that what we love consumes us. And this is why he says your heart will always be where your treasure is. Her will always be there. I love what Randy Alcorn said. He said this, there is a fundamental connection between our spiritual lives and how we think about and handle money. We may try to divorce our faith and our finances, but God sees them as inseparable. That's so true. And some of us, we've been trying to compartmentalize our faith from our finances, but they're very much intersected. They're very much together. And so here's what I want us to know, and here's what I want us to leave with today, and what I want to talk to you about today. How you and I view money, we're not even going to talk about how we're using it yet. How you and I view money matters. How we view it matters. 
for all you kids of the 80s, and I would even say 80s and younger, or older, 80s and older, um, when we grew up with playgrounds, we had great playgrounds. Like playgrounds had the ability to decapitate you at any moment because they were a place of adventure and any good adventure has a sense of danger, right? Like some of you that grew up back in the 80s, the greatest playgrounds of all time were the old school McDonald playgrounds, right? That like had the steel slide that would burn your legs if it was hot. They didn't shut that thing down. They just said, pick your legs up, sissy, right? Like that's what you did. Like, I'm so sorry your legs are burned. Be smarter than that, son, right? It's what we did. And, and uh, there's a playground like at all the parks now, and, and, and there's this certain thing, this certain aspect of the playground that looks like a weird spring slash corkscrew, right? And I, my whole life, I looked at it like that's the weirdest way up to a normal slide that I've ever seen. You climb up this and you hope to not fall. There's a little bit of a sense of adventure. But can I tell you, I've been looking at it all completely wrong. This is how you're supposed to use that little spring and corkscrew if you've not been using it this way. I think we've got a video of it. Yeah, that's what it's actually for. Right? I just heard somebody say, what? I know. Like, I'm like, my kid's childhood was robbed from them. Right? I'm like, don't go down that. Don't be that kid. That's like the kid that climbs up the slide. Slide down and get back up the steps and wait your turn, right? Like, I had no idea that this is what that was used for. Are you kidding me? Mind blown while I'm watching this on Facebook, right? And here's the, re here's the deal. Because I didn't view it right, my kids never used it right. Right? And what is true of a playground is true of our finances, and it's our first point today is simply this. How you view money determines how you use money. How you view it is paramount. It matters how you view it. And here's what I really think has happened. Most of us, a lot of us, I shouldn't say most of us, a lot of us view money the way our parents viewed money. And our parents probably didn't have a real biblical, accurate view of money. And so we just grew up viewing money the way our parents view it the way our peers do, the way our friends do, the way society does. And as a result, we're never being spiritually obedient or looking at it the correct way because the way we view it determines the way that we use it. So we're never going to use it right if we don't view it right. And, and where we miss it are three different places. First thing is this. The first thing I think the big way we view money in an incorrect, unbiblical way, is that we view money, we think money equals success, right? We think money, once again, this is not to say if you've got money that you're not successful or that it's a bad thing, but, but let me say this much. Just because you have a lot of money and you have a lot of numbers in your bank account and you drive something nice and you live in a great big house doesn't mean, that doesn't equal being a success, Right, it's bigger than that. God didn't say, hey, if you live in a 5,000 square foot house and you have three cars and you have a summer home and you've got a winter home, I don't know what a winter home would be, probably in Florida, but you've got all these things, then you have reached the pinnacle of six. No, Jesus never put that in there. But that's what we do, right? When we go to look at Christmas lights, you don't go 
to houses that are like 500 square foot and be like, man, look at the lights on that house, right? You just don't. There's nothing wrong with having a 500 square foot house, but you don't go, woo, how'd they get them on that bad boy, right? Like you just don't, you don't do that. If we're being honest, right? Like somebody's like, I can't believe he's saying this. It's just true. Where do we go? We go to the monster houses like, holy cow, what do they do, right? Like I always ask that to Casey, how do we have that many people that have that much money in Tulsa, Oklahoma? Like how? Like what in the world, right? And when I was driving my Ford Tempo, when I was driving Casey's Mazda Protege, like, like 10 years ago, this was 10 years ago, nobody stopped me and said, man, what do you do to drive such a sweet ride like that? <laughs> nobody, nobody, right? Nobody asked me, not one time, not even like a 15-year-old kid. I was like, come on, man, stick shift, right? Like, like, my Ford Tempo had electric seatbelts that would choke you, right? Like, come on, man, this is a sweet ride, right? No, nobody did. Why? Because we view money as being successful. And if we don't live in a certain house, if we don't wear certain clothes, if we don't drive certain things, then we're obviously not successful. But listen to what Jesus says in Luke chapter 12, verse 15. He says, then he said, beware, guard against every kind of greed. And some of us, we would say, well, I'm not a greedy person. I'm not, I'm not that, I don't have a problem with greed. Here's, here's the definition of greed in the Greek. It comes from a Greek word called pleonexia, and it simply means this, the desire for more. Desire for more. And I would bet, if I said, hey, how much more money do you need to make? How much money do you need to make to be okay, to be content? Most of us would say, just a little bit more. What kind of car do you need to drive to be happy? Uh, just a little nicer of a car. What, what size house? Just a little bit more house. And I'm, I'm good, I'm set, I'm fine. Right? It's our culture, it's our society. We always get haunted by the monster of more. And Jesus says this to us, man, more money doesn't make you more successful. More money is not the answer to your, I'm about to lose it here. More money doesn't, isn't, going to, isn't going to solve the problems. It's just going to make you more dysfunction with what God has given you. It's true. Because the, I, I got to stop. That's next week. Here we go. If success is about where you live, if success is about how much you make, if success is about what you wear and what you drive, hear me, you're viewing it all wrong. And Jesus said this at the very end. He says, life is not measured by how much you own. That's totally counterculture. Jesus is saying it's not about how much you own, but where against every kind of greed. Life isn't measured. You're not successful by how much you own. And if you view money, if you view stuff, if you view the house and the cars and the clothes and, and the amount of money in your bank account and retirement account and I'm a success, Jesus says this, that's not the measuring stick at all and you're viewing it all wrong. The second way that we view money incorrectly is that we view money, money equals security and happiness. Money equals security and happiness. If I just had this much money, I would be at peace. If I had this much money, I would be more happy. Can I tell you, I know, a, it's weird, I know a lot of people that have a lot of money that are really, really miserable. 
I'm like, I'm thinking, I'm like, man, if I, if I made what you made, like, come on, bro. Like, what, what, you, what are you, like, stressed out about? Like, what do you got to be fearful about? Do you know how much you, let's trade paychecks. One, give me one month, God. Give me one month. Like, I, anyways, right? I know a lot of people that make a whole lot more than me that are a whole lot more miserable, that aren't happy, that aren't peaceful, and more money isn't the solution. In fact, the Bible says this in Ecclesiastes 5.10, those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. John D. Rockefeller said this, I have made many millions, but they have never brought me, but they have brought me no happiness. Henry Ford said, I was happier when doing a mechanic's job. Right? I'm like, what? Proverbs 23, verse 5, in the blink of an eye, wealth disappears, for it will sprout wings and fly away like an eagle. Here's, here's the truth. You and I, we've talked about this. Man, money can let you do some really cool things. It can also open some cool doors. And the Bible talks about that. Money is not inherently bad. It's not this evil thing. It's just you better view it correctly so that you use it correctly. And if your view is more money is going to make me more happy, more money is going to bring me more peace, you're viewing it all wrong. Because remember, money is a tool and a test. And how you view money determines how you use money. Third incorrect way is this. We view it like this. Mine, 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 mine. You remember the Finding Nemo seagulls, right? The fish pops up and they're all like, mine, 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 mine. We, we do this. We, we view money and we get that paycheck and we're like, look how much I didn't make or look how much I did make, right? Like you're like, I can't believe they pay me this much or I can't believe they pay me this much, right? It's two totally different, two totally different spectrums that we're at. And we look at that paycheck, and, and we're like, man, I worked hard for this. You know, you work hard for the money. Do, 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 so hard for the money. Um, you worked hard. You put sweat, blood, sweat, and tears. You started a company. You work at a company. You've got responsibility. It's not just a job to you, but something you take pride in. And the tendency is for you and I to look at what we have been given in our paycheck. We look at that house. We look at all the things that we have acquired, and we say, this is all mine. And yet none of it's ours, right? None of it's ours. Your ability to work was gifted to you. Your ability to have health, to, to hold down a job was gifted to you. In fact, here's what the Bible says. In James 1, verse 17, it says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Psalms 24, 1, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. Job 41, 11, Who has given me anything that I need to pay back? Everything under heaven is mine. It's not yours. It's not mine, but everything is his. And when our view is mine, 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 our view is incorrectly, and we'll never use it right if we don't view it right. And if your money could talk, if your bank account could whisper to you, which would be really weird, but let's pretend, right? Like, let's, if your money could talk to you, 
your bank account, if your stuff could talk to you, would say this, the minute you think you own me is the exact moment I own you. The minute you think you own me is the moment you fail the test. And it's the very moment that I own you. Molda's daughter, Charlie, is, she has gotten big enough and she has gotten old enough now to where she goes into my closet and starts wearing my clothes. Now, I thought I wouldn't mind this until I have to track down my clothes, right? And so the, the, the big one right now is this hoodie right here, my, my, my OU hoodie. And here's the reality. The longer you own a hoodie, the better it gets. Can we just agree with that? Like, it's more worn in, it's soft, it's great. I've had this thing for like 10 years. And the other day I'm looking for, I'm like, hey, Charlie, have you seen, well, actually she came downstairs going to school with my hoodie on. I go, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not yours. And she just smiled and winked at me and goes, sure it isn't. And I'm like, no, 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 no. That's mine, right? Like, that's mine. So literally, I, she just been wearing this around. And I asked the other day, I'm like, hey, Charlie, do you still have my, have my hoodie? And she looked at me and goes, do you need to borrow it? And I'm like, no. <laughs> I don't need to borrow it. It's mine, right? Like, no, this, this is mine. And she goes, well, what do you need it for? Are you kidding me right now? I have to explain why I need my hoodie. I was like, I need it for a sermon. She's like, oh, okay, I guess you can use it then. I guess you can borrow it. She brought it down. She gave it to me. I go, you know that's mine, right? And she just winked and smirked and goes, sure it is. And I'm like, what? And here's the reality. Some of us view our money like Charlie views this hoodie. Right? It's not yours. It's not mine belongs to something, to someone way bigger than you, who could take you out. I'll take you out, Charlie, right? That, could, that has gifted all this to you. And here's where it comes to, and here's where we get the right view. And here's what I want to leave you with today. The, the correct biblical view, because how we view money determines how we use money. Here it is. All I have is his, and I am his steward. Right? All I have is his, and I am called to be his steward, right? The hoodie's his. It's not mine. All this stuff is his. He doesn't need to borrow it because it all belongs to him, and I'm called to manage, which is being a steward, manage what he has entrusted me with. There's a lot of, ver a lot of words we don't use anymore, and I'm thankful for that. For some of us, we, when we grew up in the 90s and the grew up in the 80s, there were some words that came out that if you're still using these two words, I want, I've got a list, but I don't have time. Um, I want to just help you not use these anymore, especially if you are 35 and older, you've got to stop using these words right now, instantly. I ate, I ate, um, I eat. Some of you think I'm having a, like a problem here. I eat. I've never said this word in my life, right? I could say Greek words better than I can say I eat. Um, and it kind of goes like this. Nah, I'm cool. I'm, it looks like I slept in a dumper, but dumpster, but I'm I eat, right? Like you don't know. If you're using that word, stop. Actually, I dare somebody to use that word this week in a conversation with somebody that doesn't go to Foundation Church and tell me their reaction. 
Nej. <laughs> Second one, booyah, right? Some of you are like, oh no, oh no, I just used that this morning. Like, I look good, booyah. No. No, if you're still using booyah, stop. My bonus word would be home skillet. Um, Homeschool, homeschool, it's about time you got here. See, there's words in the Bible we don't use because they get dated. And one of those words that we don't use much anymore is steward. Right? It just feels dated. We don't really understand it. And here's what steward means. A steward is someone entrusted with another's wealth or property and is charged with the responsibility of managing it in the owner's best interest. Let me go over that one more time. A steward is someone entrusted with another's wealth or property. It's not theirs. And charged with the responsibility of managing it and not your best interest. This is huge. Not what's going to benefit you most, but in the owner's best interest. There's a great passage of scripture found in Matthew 25 about the parable of the talents and the servants and, and how the, the, the master gave this one five bags of silver, this one three bags of silver, and this one bag of silver. And you know it, to much is given, much is required. And who, those who use it well will be given even more. And it talks about just how the, the, the master got upset because the one steward didn't manage it well in the owner, in the master's best interest. And can I tell you, you and I, we're called to be great stewards of what God's entrusted us with because it's all his. And it says this in 1 Corinthians 4.2. It says, moreover, it's required of stewards that they be found faithful. And can that be said of you and of me? Are you being a faithful steward? Are you being an obedient and faithful manager of what is his? Because if you view it as yours, I have news for you. You will never use it as if it was his. If you view it as yours, you're never going to use it as if it was his. And this is a huge shift in the way that we think, in the way that we view it, because how we view it determines how we use it. Money's a tool, but it's also a test. And if you can view this right, man, it makes money function right. And there's a lot of us, we have so, mis so much dysfunction when it comes to this area of our life and it makes us uncomfortable and we get squirmy in our seats. And some of you have already turned me off at home and muted me. How dare you, right? Because I was talking about money. Like, I don't want to hear anything about that, right? Like I came to church to get something from the word of God. It's just that we become picky eaters of what we decide we want to have from the Lord. Some of you, this may feel like broccoli, but that's the best thing for you today because you've been super dysfunctional in this part of your life. I, I called one of my friends. He's actually a mentor when it comes to finances with me. And, and, and this gentleman is right around 70 years old. And the way that he functioned in his finances just challenged Casey and me. Him and his wife, just they challenged me. And I called him up. I'm like, so, so how did you get to this place? 
How'd you get to this place when you, with how you use money and how you function with money? Because it's like a big contest to give it all away, right? Because you didn't grow up in a pastor's house. You didn't grow up with a mom and dad just pounding and instilling these principles in you. And he said this to me. He said, the more I grew and matured in my relationship with Jesus, the more the way I viewed money changed. And it hit me. None of this is mine. So if I'm being entrusted with this, I need to operate with this money the way the one who owns it would want me to operate with it. Today, you've got to ask yourself, what does financial success look like? How am I viewing money? Am I viewing money in the correct way? Do I think it makes me more successful? How am I viewing it? Do I think it's mine? Do I think it's going to bring more happiness and more security? That's going to mean that I'm a success. No, no, no. If that's the view of it all, we've missed it. We're looking at it wrong. When you and I can come to a place that we understand, hey, it's not mine. I'm borrowing it. I'm called to be a manager. I'm called to be a steward. That's the moment you pass the test. That's the moment you find out what life was really meant to be about. And how this whole area of finances starts to work. That's step one. And next week, we're going to pick up on step two. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And I thank you for today. And I thank you, I thank you for your patience with us, God. Because, Lord, the reality is there's some of us, we've just been looking at it all wrong. It's like the playground. Lord, I've just been looking at it. So we've never used it right because we've been viewing it incorrectly. And if we don't view it and if we don't look at it in a right biblical sense, we will never use it the way that you've called us to use it. So God, today, I pray that we wouldn't get offended, that we wouldn't get mad, but we would be honest. That we'd understand, that we wouldn't make this out to be, oh, Justin's in for a money grab because they're in a building campaign. I could care less about it. But Lord, you want what's best for us. And so Lord, don't let us get jaded. Don't let us get angry. Let us get honest. And let us get better. And let this be an area of our life that we start to function and we start to operate as you've called us to operate and function. Let us understand what it means to be a steward. Let us understand the peace that comes when we realize it's not ours to begin with. We're just called to be a responsible steward and manager of what you've entrusted us. God, there's a peace that comes with that. So, Lord, I pray, help us. Help us view it correctly so that we can use it correctly. It's in Jesus' wonderful name I pray. Today, with heads bowed, eyes closed. Today, maybe you showed up and this is not the message you were expecting. Maybe you're watching online and you're like, man, I was coming in and looking for a second chance coming in and hoping to find hope, hoping to find forgiveness. Can I tell you there's forgiveness ready for you right now? And Jesus talked about a shepherd 
who had 99 sheep and one of his sheep wandered off. It says this in the parable. It says, Jesus says the shepherd leaves the 99 to go after the one and when he finds the one, he celebrates more over that one than the 99. He goes looking, he goes searching so that he can find. Today, if you're here and you say, Justin, man, I'm lost. I've just wandered away and I so want to be found. Man, I so want to be found by a Savior. I so want forgiveness. Man, I've been carrying around the weight of sin and guilt and shame and man, I need rest and I need relief from it today. If that's you, when I count to three, all I'm going to do is ask you to raise your hand when I get to three and we're going to lead you in a prayer that's going to change your life that's gonna keep you from wandering and let you become found. One, two, three. Is there anyone here today? You say, Justin, that's me. Uh, there's one, there's two. Is there anyone else? You join these two hands that are lifted before we go any further in service. You say, Justin, that's me today. Before we go any further, any, anyone else in this place, you say, Justin, that's me. Man, you may be at home watching. I just encourage you, raise your hand right where you are because God sees a hand and he changes the heart. Is there anyone else before we go any further? If you please repeat this prayer after me. Jesus, I come before you today. And God, I just confess, I've wandered off. I'm lost. But I want to be found. And so I confess that I've messed up and that I've sinned. But I ask for your forgiveness. I turn away from the life that I was living to grab hold of the life you have for me. I confess you, Jesus Christ, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm gonna live for you the rest of my days. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions, are in need of prayer, or would like to join a connect group, feel free to email me at nicole at foundationschurch.tv. that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.